Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Um, this week, we'll be looking at this passage uh, from the perspective of time. And next week, we'll be looking at it again with the next passage, talking about the two sacraments of the Old Testament, uh, circumcision and Passover, and how they relate to the New Testament with uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We've discussed time before, actually several times. Uh, we talked about the stewardship of time back in the summer, and then back in Galatians chapter 3, we talked about time then as well. But it, it comes back up in our text, and as we desire to, to preach the Word of God through. And so we'll be looking at it from a little bit different perspective this morning. Um, you know, although we don't always understand God's timing, we can trust that it is perfect because God has a plan. God has a plan, and it's a good plan. So let's read. It's found on page 335 in your pew Bible, if, uh, if you have it there. But maybe, maybe we ought to pray beforehand. Let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless it. Father, in this moment, we pray that you would give us anointing. Lord, both the preacher and the hearer. For Father, as we seek you in your word, it's not something we can do in our own flesh. We must have the Spirit working through the word that it might become effective to salvation for those who don't know you and, and effective to growth in grace for those who do. And so enlighten our hearts, Lord Jesus, through your word. Help us to understand. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, be with us now. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Joshua 5, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west... And all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel till they had crossed over. Their hearts melted. And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeoth Haaraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom they raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. But they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of, Israel, of, excuse me, of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Amen. Well, you know, although we don't always understand God's timing, we can trust that it is perfect because God has a plan. You know, we've talked about the Hyundai plant before uh, from the pulpit. Uh, even, I think, last time we talked about time. But, but Thomas and I, were, this week, were looking at videos on YouTube of robotic arms at the Hyundai plant. It's pretty amazing 
how most of our cars are, are made with the conjunction of both human labor and robotic labor. And if you've ever seen one of these videos like we watched, it, it's amazing to see how there are these different stations and there's a car at every station and there's a robot, robotic arm that's, that's welding or cutting or sanding or buffing or you know, these things I don't really know anything about uh, at each one of these stations. And at each one of these stations, one thing happens at that station and nothing else. And then when the buzzer goes off and all the robots and all the people in the other part of the plant have completed what they're meant to do, the buzzer goes off and, and it progresses to the next station and the next set of robotic arms do their work as well. It's like an assembly line, but, but you know, timing is everything, isn't it? Whether with robotic arms or a more conventional assembly line, timing really is everything. If there were some glitch that would make one robotic arm move more slowly than the others, uh, then perhaps it would, it would come off the assembly line with, without some crucial safety piece or, or some structural issue because it had not completed its task in time. And timing surely is important for the profitability of these cars in the company. Timing really is everything. But as we step back and we think about our lives, we see that the timing is everything for us as well. As you think about how the timing that God has orchestrated in our lives over, over all of our lives, over the events of our lives, what would have happened to us, what we have done, it is amazing to see how God has, has sewn this tapestry of our lives together perfectly as he desired it according to his plan with things even outside our control, interacting with our plan, intersecting with our lives and influencing how our lives turn out. You know, in some ways, our lives are like an assembly line. They have, they have come from somewhere and they are going to somewhere. Lord willing, if you're a believer, you're heading towards heaven. If, uh, if not, then I would encourage you to turn to the Lord. And each step of the way, the Lord is using our circumstances those quote-unquote coincidences, the providential meetings with other people that we had not intended upon. He's using those things to complete us to the point where he is desired to take us. And that is ultimately for our sanctification to make us more and more like our Savior Jesus to that day of our death when he makes us perfect. And the day at the end of time when he presents his, his bride, the church, to the groom Christ, perfected and without blemish, completed. But you know, if we're honest, as we think about how God works in time, perhaps we feel like the welds of the robotic arm sometimes cut a little deep. And per perhaps the, the sanding might go a little deeper than we had hoped. And perhaps each stage along the way may be a little short in some cases and too long in others. From our perspective, it might look even a little chaotic. And certainly, our, the timing of our lives is such that we don't always agree with what the Lord has done. Or we certainly are, are searching for faith that we might trust in His timing. But although we don't always understand God's timing, we can trust that it is perfect. Because it's not some haphazard, um, let's see how it works out kind of situation. You see, God has a plan. 
and he will execute his plan. And it is for his glory and for the good of his people. Well, God's people have been wandering around in the desert for about 40 years now. You'll remember that God had called them out of Egypt and delivered them by ten plagues, and he called them to Mount Sinai, where he entered into covenant with them and gave them the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law, and they entered into covenant with their God in a, in a new way, a national covenant. And then as they left Mount Sinai, they went out to the desert, and God took them to the Promised Land. It was time to go in, right? And so twelve spies went into the Promised Land. But just as there are minority reports, majority reports now, there was both a majority report and a minority report from these spies. The minority report, Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we got this thing. This is a great land and God's going to provide for us. But the other men said, no, we could never, never subdue the people that live in Canaan. So God's people didn't obey the voice of the Lord. And as a result, They wandered around for 38 and a half years or so, dying off in the wilderness. All the men of of warring age, of military age, 28, 20 years and up, who had been enrolled in the census, they all had to die. And now God's people have crossed the Jordan. They have finally crossed the Jordan 40 years after leaving Egypt. And now it is time to go and take Jericho. Military, militarily speaking, when you cross a river, you don't stop. Think about it. Whether a bridge or a miraculous crossing like uh, God's people had experienced, you don't stop. Why? Because now you have this natural boundary behind you that makes you vulnerable to your enemies. And remember, we're about six and a half miles or so from Jericho. Four and a half miles or so to the to the um, modern equivalent of Jericho and about six and a half miles to the the ancient equivalent of Jericho. We're actually in the territory of Jericho, the text tells us. We're in enemy territory, and now is the time to go, go, go. Let's get the, the, the vanguard out there first. Let's get the scouts out to see what we're looking at, and let's start marching on Jericho. This is now the time to do it. But God said, that's not what we're going to do now. He said, he told Joshua. What did he tell him? He said, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the son of Israel at Gibeoth Ha'aroth. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Uh, It means hill of the foreskins, by the way. And so they had been told by God, now is the time not for military excursion, but we're going to do something that's going to render all the the warring men uh, incapable of fighting for some length of time. The timing just didn't seem right, did it? Now is the time to go, and God says now is the time to stop. How often do we find ourselves in that similar situation in our lives? Wondering, really, Lord? It's perhaps, you know, one or two Israelites were having a bad day. Thought, really? We're going to do this now? 
So we in our own lives, as we look at God's time and we think, God, you, you, are, you are the potentate of, of time, as one hymn puts it. You are the creator of all things, and, and you control all things by your providence, and you have foreordained all that shall come to pass, and this is what you have planned? Really? As we think about all those things piling on, one after the next, as we think about perhaps getting a bad report from the doctor, while at the same time having to have your, your kids at ten different sporting practices in five days, only to get home exhausted, beaten, tired, to find your floor covered in water because your hot water heater started to leak. You know, what, is, what, is your life look, what does your life look like when things start to pile up? Perhaps it's the bills. God knows when our bills hit. He knows when our paychecks hit. Perhaps it is a health bill. Perhaps it is illness and fatigue or the death of a loved one. And sometimes they're just things that just doesn't seem like there's a good time for at all. Can we trust God's timing in our lives? His timing here with the Israelites certainly seems unique. God's timing is also hard when we have to wait for things. I was talking to someone this week who had hurried in and been hurried in to get a, a, a test done medically to find that the doctor and the nurses had gone out of town. And so they couldn't get any results back. You know, that, that's when waiting's hard, Right? Waiting um, for a loved one to come around to something. Or waiting for a wayward child. Can we trust God's timing? God's timing is hard when we're waiting for God. Waiting for God to do things that we've asked for Him to do years and years along the way. Israel certainly had... Um, an opportunity to wonder should they trust in the timing of God as they were laid up for at least several days. We don't know how long, but we find a story like this in Genesis 34, and they were defenseless on the third day. And so this is, this is a pretty big deal. Would they attack? Would Jericho launch a, a preemptive strike? This would have been the wisest thing to do. And if they had known about this, certainly now was the time to attack. Would word leak out with hundreds of thousands of people living in such proximity to their enemies? Would there be spies who would be able to see this going on? Could we trust God's timing? Well, we can. This is what happens with the, with the Israelites. They do trust the Lord's timing. Praise the Lord. See, the last generation had not. They had not trusted God's timing. God, you would take us out of Egypt now to leave us in the wilderness. Are there not enough graves in Egypt that, that we would have to come out here and die? And now we come to the promised land. And don't you remember that there are all these people here that would fight us and destroy us? This is not the best time, Lord. But would this generation be faithful? Would this generation believe and trust in the timing of God during this time of transition? Well, yes, they would. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he had raised up in their place 
that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. It's interesting, commentators are, are, are a little baffled of, of why this initial generation, the generation that was in the wilderness, why did they not circumcise their sons? You'll remember in Genesis 17, the covenant of circumcision is given, and there we find if you're not circumcised, you're cut off from the people of God. If you're not circumcised, you're cut off from the people of God. This is not an optional thing. And the only real answer we have is that they had rebelled against the Lord going into the promised land, and they had continued to rebel against the Lord. And all those years wandering around, no wonder God had to let them die off so he could raise up another generation who would be faithful to him. And so we see their response to God's unique timing, that they trusted in the Lord. And this is our call as well, is they had faith that the Lord would protect them. Is they had faith that that God had a plan and he was working it for his glory and for their good. As they had faith, unlike their fathers, had, had disbelief. Their faith was tied to obedience. Their faith led to their obedience. We're saved by faith, through grace through faith. But from that faith, from that grace, flows obedience. And in their lives, they were obedient. And they depended on the Lord for protection. Oh, how they, protect, they depended on the Lord for protection. None of their warriors were able to pick up a spear or a javelin or a sword. They were defenseless. What is our response when God's timing looks unique, to put it helpfully? The same thing, faith, obedience, and dependence on the Lord. That we trust in the Lord of time, and we obey by being patient and repenting of our impatience. And we we do all this as we depend on the Lord for his provision. How hard is that, my friends? How hard that is. When things just keep piling on and piling on and piling on and piling on. How hard is that when we have to be patient for something that we cannot control? But God has called us not to live lives of independence, but dependence. And as God's people were going into the promised land, perhaps this is the very lesson they needed as they were about to go and take Jericho, not by their own might, but by the sheer might of the Lord. Well, we can trust, although we don't always understand God's timing, and I would actually submit we rarely understand God's timing. We can trust in the Lord. We can trust that it's perfect. Why? Because he has a plan. Do you remember the old show, The A-Team? Terrible plots. Awful acting. But such a great show. I remember growing up and it came on from 3 to 4 in the afternoons and I would get home about 3.30 from school and I'd have a snack and get a rest before I went outside and played. And I would often watch the the A-Team for a couple years when it came on during that time frame. You know, this show, if you remember this show, there was more shooting in this show than, than in any modern war. But in 98 episodes, no one got hit. I looked it up. 98 episodes, one person died and it was by an explosion. Um, that's neither here nor there. That's, that, that's free. Um, but you'll remember the, the phrase from Colonel John Hannibal Smith at the end. I love it when a plan comes together. 
you know, you always wondered if the plan was going to come together. He kind of had this makeshift, oh, yeah, you go over there, and we'll go over there, and we've got these things that we found in an hour, and somehow we're going to defend ourselves against a foreign army. You know, I hope, and I, I love it when a plan comes together. But there was always chaos. I was always wondering if it was going to work. You know, our God and his plan, we're not waiting for him at the end of time to say, whew, I'm glad that worked out. How discouraging would that be? He has had this plan for our lives and for everything from before the foundation of the world. And he is working everything together for his glory and for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This is why when we interact with these terrible moments in our lives, these hard moments in our lives, that we can trust that God has a plan. And he knows what he's doing. And perhaps this is the only thing that gets us through some days. Lord, I don't have a clue what you're doing right now. Help me. Help me to trust a little more in your goodness and your power and in your timing. Because here's the thing, there's, there's so much more to God's plan than we know. The revealed things belong to man, but the secret things belong to the Lord. Can you imagine, can you imagine what the Facebook page of the Canaanite kings must have been saying at this point? How fearful they would have been. See, God and his plan, his perfect plan, the reason they were, they were safe here, the reason they were safe to be circumcised here and be put out of commission is per, perhaps the only time they were safe is because God, by, by providing a way through the Jordan all on dry ground in such a miraculous way, their hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in them, according to verse 1. And through God's perfect plan, his assembly line, this has to happen before that, God had provided a miraculous way that would protect God's people as they were here waiting to be healed there was more going on here though they had to be prepared they had to be prepared to take the the passover which was going to be in four days from the time of the crossing the day of the crossing was the time to to select the sacrificial lamb and four days later was the day of passover but exodus chapter 12 verses 44 and 48 tell us that if you're not circumcised you may not partake of the passover the timing was perfect we see that he was providing them a way. He was also using this time to, to roll away the reproach of Egypt. We see this in verse 9. Gilgal sounds like the Hebrew word galal, Hebrew for to roll. So that's why it's called Gilgal. They sound a lot alike. And what's going on here is can you imagine the scorn that the Egyptians had had for the Israelites? You got hoodwinked by a foreign god who led you out into the wilderness only to die. That's what it looked like from their perspective. And now he had brought them into the promised land. He provided them all they needed, a land flowing milk and honey. And now God had, had rolled away their scorn, their reproach, their mocking from Egypt. God was providing a way. God was preparing them as they would have to walk in faith, as God would uh, work for them and defeating the nations. You know, we don't always know why God is doing different things in our lives, but as we think about what the will of God is for our lives, we think about what is the will of God in our lives, and that's, we should spend some time talking about that. But Scripture's not silent on this. And one of the things it says in 1 um, Thessalonians 4 
It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And how does he make us more and more like Jesus? What sanctification means, to be set aside, to be made holy. It is by moments in time and space. And so God, in his perfect timing, brings things into our lives that we might be transformed from one degree of glory to the next and become more like our Savior. It is his plan that we would become more like Jesus, and he has a plan of how it's going to happen. You better believe this was a sanctifying experience for, uh, for Israel. God has this plan for the good of his people and for his own glory. But when we think about God's perfect timing, we must think of salvation. We must think about Jesus, right? We find that all of this, including this, was part of God's plan for salvation, to deliver his people up by a redeemer from their sins. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, when time was ready, when time was ripe, when Alexander the Great had conquered the known world and brought in a common language known as Greek, by which everyone could hear the the name of Jesus proclaimed, when God had sent the Romans, the evil Romans, with Pontius Pilate as their head, and they had this wonderful road system by which the missionaries would travel all over the known world, speaking in Greek, the common, common tongue, the, the gospel of Jesus. There were 400 years of silence. The people were ripe and ready to hear from God, and here comes the Messiah in the fullness of time. That he might die for our sins, that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law. But as we think about, for those of you who are believers here, as you think about how the Lord worked in the timing of your life to bring you to salvation, the people whom, whom you knew, who, who just offered a word of encouragement or, or remind you of God's love, how the Lord used those things to bring you to salvation. You know my story. My, my, my father's colleague kept telling him about Jesus over and over again and because of of the spirit using that there was reformation revival in our household in six months all three of the men in our family became Christians in the fullness of time the time is such that today is the day of salvation if you don't know him we read in 2 Corinthians 6 2 behold now is a favorable time behold today is the day of salvation Today, if you hear his voice, Hebrews 4 tells us, do not harden your heart. Today is a day of salvation. For we know in the fullness of time, we know not when it will be. It could be this afternoon. Oh, Lord, may it be that Christ will come again. And he will call all his people to himself. There will be the day of judgment. It will be too late. In the fullness of time, God will send forth his Son again. And as we wait and it seems that God tarries, we can, we can trust that although we don't always understand God's timing, we can trust it because God has a plan. And he is working his plan for his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Father, you are the creator of all things. And you have planned everything out perfectly for your glory and for our good. 
We yearn for the day when the time is ripe and the fullness of time has come again, when Christ returns and makes all things right, that then we would no longer struggle with understanding your time frame or what you do. Because instead of faith, we will have sight and we will lay eyes on our Savior. So we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.